Hello and welcome to Running With Problems. I'm Miranda. And I'm John Eisen. What's your last name, Miranda? Miranda Williamson. Welcome to Running With Problems, a podcast about running, relationships, and the trauma that often comes with the two. Yeah, uh, we're really excited for this week's episode with um, to share this one with y'all. It is just a conversation between me and Miranda. We have been off the air for quite a while, and there's a lot to catch up on. Um, just some good conversation between the two of us. We tackle two questions from Reddit, which uh, spark some interesting discussion about, you know, our own experiences, really. Yeah, there's some early relationships, and there's the relationship with your body and running. Um, we're really happy that we have this platform to share our uh, discussions with y'all. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please send it in to either my Instagram, mildly underscore athletic, or email it into our podcast at podcast at runningwithproblems.run. We really want to hear your feedback or any stories or questions that you have and just want to share. Um, We'll take them anonymously or with signatures. Without any more intro, because this is a long one, here you go. Running with problems. Oh, there's one more thing. Um, Our theme music is composed and performed by Matt Beer, who is our friend from San Diego. We just saw him a couple weeks ago. He is on SoundCloud Give him a follow. He's excellent. He's like a young Jack Johnson. He is super rad as an individual and a really talented musician. I do not like amateur musicians, and I like Matt Beer because he is more than amateur. So give him a follow on SoundCloud. And yeah, as Miranda says, this is a long one, so we'll get right to it. Hello. So it's been a little while since we've checked in on our podcast. Yeah, it's been a minute. How are you doing, gorgeous? I'm doing well. <laughs> he just popped open a kombucha, a Boochcraft kombucha. A uh, Boochcraft uh, grapefruit hibiscus flavor. <laughs> it's delicious. Well, we we just had a fun weekend, right? We did. We had a fun weekend. I guess, um, yeah, if you're asking me how I'm doing, I'm doing so well. Uh, these past nine to ten weeks have been really hard for me. Yeah. I think our last pod was maybe, what, like seven weeks ago, something like that. We interviewed... Uh, Chelsea. Chelsea. And that was right after the Ring the Springs post-race interview. And ever since basically that time, I've been sidelined with an injury. I've had um, what has been diagnosed as a stress fracture or a stress reaction, which is like a pre-fracture state. I guess if you can imagine like twine, if your bone is kind of like twine, it slowly tears itself apart but it's not fully torn right it's kind of a stress reaction where there's some wearing down of the bone and just like that that part of your body is not getting enough nutrients to handle the stress that you're putting on it Mm. so i the basically the cure for that is not running which is hard for us runners it's difficult it's difficult i 
you know, we considered doing a podcast where we talked about injury. And, and I, I think you, you asked me this and I responded. I was like, after the Chelsea interview where we talked about a real life-changing injury, like uh, my little stress fracture that's going to put me out for eight to ten weeks, like not, doesn't really compare. So I didn't, we, I didn't really want to, I didn't feel it was right to do a full episode. But um, I've slowly been trying to come back and feeling pain and then tapering off. I mean, I'm pretty sure like the second time I came back, I I came, so here's, here's how it went, right? I did a week off after ring the Springs and then I ran on that Saturday and I had a lot of pain, went to see my PT. My PT's like, Hey, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. You probably have a stress fracture, but my PT can't really diagnose that. He doesn't have an MRI, doesn't have an x-ray. So, but he's like, it's probably a stress fracture. I kind of take that as, a, that as you know, go ahead to just stop running. So I stop running for two weeks. Then I go, and I try to stay off it. I go walk, I go running um, a bit on that first weekend back. Things go, oh, no, I didn't. What happened after that is then we went hiking in the. Oh, the Maroon Bells. In the Maroon Bells. Yeah, we had backpacking. These, we had two great oh. friends from San Diego come visit us. Adira and Ryan, shout out. And we went backpacking, and I was like, I guess I'm backpacking on this fresh injury. Um, we were going to do the four-pass loop, but we got to Snowmass Lake, and it was very clear that the snow conditions were not good for us and our the gear we had and, and our crew, as well as my injury was starting to show its, rear, its head, and so we decided to just hang out at Snowmass Lake for a couple days. And then... I started trying to run a little bit. I ran a couple times that next week. I think I was in Germany. That was fun. And then, sorry, this is like a whole story. Yeah, yeah. keep yeah, we're, going. We're going with I the mean, whole story we're going to do it. And then, and then, all right, so then I had, I had hiked 16 miles in the backcountry. I had run twice. Each of these runs was about 90 minutes. And I was like, okay, you know, like the foot is working. Let's go. And so I started, so I ran three days in a row the next week, and it hurt a little bit. And I went out to the High Lonesome 100, which we've got to talk about that. But we'll, oh, get to, we'll get to gosh, that. Yeah. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, and it was clear, oh, gosh, this is, this, is, uh, this is hurting. And then I went biking to work that next week. Now, I've been biking a bunch during this period. But I go bike. I bike home from work that Tuesday. And my foot just, I pulled my foot out of the bike shoe, which is a, it's a compressible shoe. You know, you want to have a tight fit on your bike shoe. Mm-hmm. I've got one of those little boa. It's not as nice as my Speedlands, but. Um, <laughs> Looking for a sponsorship. <laughs> shout out Speedlands. Let me know. Give me a call. Um, so then I take my foot out of my bike shoe and my foot really hurts. And it's like, oh my God, I've just. I just started freaking out. I figure I have just reset all of the work I have done to heal this injury. I thought I had gone back to square one. So I start, that's when I order a boot. We're four weeks into this injury and I, that's when I order a boot. So I buy a boot off Amazon. I book the nearest appointment to go see an orthopedist. Now I'm seeing an orthopedist. I know I feel very dumb, right? Um, I go into the ortho, they, uh, give me an x-ray, come chat with me. And then I was just like, yeah, you know, I don't see it on the x-ray. So 
Yeah, sounds like you had a stress fracture. Sounds like you're doing the work. So, you know, take some more time off and then start running. Maybe try 20 minutes. So this is the advice. And I have a little bit of problem with this advice, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, you tell me, hey, take some time off running. Okay, I can do that, you know. Then it's like, try running. Run for 20 minutes. So I went out, I ran, I ran for 20, I ran for like 30 minutes, but it was near to 20 minutes. It was, it was that Thursday, it was an HHR, I cut it short, it was good. Yep. I got back home and I was like, foot feels good. HHR is a happy hour run with the Boulder Trail Runners. Yeah, uh, the, the happy hour run has run every Thursday since the early 90s um, with only a few cancellations. I was responsible for the last cancellation. I feel very bad about it. But... So but that cancellation was on the day of the Marshall fire. So yeah, I can be forgiven. I yeah. just don't like canceling HHR. I mean, HHR wasn't even canceled during the 2013 flood. Let's be, let's be clear about that. <laughs> HHR has gone on through, through flood and fire. But Negative degree weather, blizzards, all the things. All the things. HHR always goes. <laughs> all right. So where were we? All right, so I go to HHR, and so the foot's feeling good. So yeah. the next day, I go running again, and I go for, we go for five miles together. Uh-huh. It was wonderful. It was so nice to go running with you. Oh, my God. It was just like something. You know, Miranda and I, we use the walks with our dog, Summit, who you're he- you'll hear licking in the background because he's, that's what he's doing today. <laughs> and we, we, we run together. This is how we spend a lot of our time that we, ch- we talk because we, you know, maybe we find ourselves not talking as much in the house because we, ha- we share this time outside, right? And then this yeah. injury comes, and I'm not taking walks, and I'm not running, and, and we found this time lacking in our connection because we weren't talking, right? And yeah. uh, we had to actively try to combat that by, by setting aside time that we wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And, 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 you know, dinners where we're, we're consciously... Cooking um, together and, like, talking. not watching TV, just talking, catching up, because um, we really like to talk to each other. Turns out talking to each other is important in long-term relationships. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this, but... Date cool. nights. We had to do some date nights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't be on autopilot when things aren't normal, right? When mm-hmm. things aren't going to plan. So. Your routine's thrown off. Definitely. So... I, I run two days in a row, and I'm like, all right, it's feeling good. So now I've run 20 minutes and 30 minutes, and then I ran 90 minutes, and I was like, okay, let's go. And then two days later, uh, we did an alpine adventure, and I ran 11 miles. Miranda tagged Harvard, which is a 14er in Colorado. Oh. <laughs> Our rice is done, and it's yes. very noisy. We have a Zojirushi rice maker, and they're very good. Also would take a sponsorship from Zojirushi. <laughs> Excellent rice uh, maker. But yeah, Harvard was a beautiful peak to tag. I loved that. It was very high. It was above 14,000 feet. So um, it's been a while since I'd been... It's th- like 14,400. Yeah. It's very tall. Tall. So that last like mile and a half, I was breathing pretty heavy. <laughs> Anyways, this is side, all side note. So... Yeah, I did. I did eleven miles that day up in the Alpine. Five miles, six, five and a half miles up, five and a half miles down. So it was it was a lot of work on the foot. And I get home from that, and my foot's feeling a little tender, but it's okay. And I'm like, 
I'm good. I'm going to sign up for a hundred miler because <laughs> that's how my brain works. Remember just a week ago, the orthopedist was like, yeah, try running 20 minutes. Right. And then my brain is like, it works. We can sign up for a hundred. So I, I was on the wait list for run rabbit run. I had already canceled like this Colorado trail trip. By the way, this was when we were supposed to be on the Colorado trail. Yeah. Rip Colorado trail Aww. because of this injury. And then, you know, now here I'm, I'm like six weeks away from this hundred and I'm like, I can make it if I can ramp. And so I sign up for it. <sighs> so dumb. And then, <laughs> and then I start trying to ramp. We were going to spend a week in Leadville. Or no, sorry. Steamboat. Steamboat, Steamboat yeah. Springs, where the Run Rabbit Run is held. Yeah. Um, and I, I start trying to ramp my training. You know, I've lost so much fitness, just not running very much. I was not very good at getting on the bike. I had these periods where, like, I didn't know what I was doing to re-injure it. So I start trying to ramp, and I'm like, I'm going to run 40 miles. That'll be a ramp to get me back to, you know, 60 or something miles to, like, actually be training and building some fitness again and it just didn't work the foot was like hey slow your fucking roll john mm-hmm. and um i had to come to terms with that this couple weekends ago when we were in california and and yeah so i came to terms with that and i i canceled run rubber run we canceled the airbnb we're all good but i i just i just have to accept that my season's my ultra season is over and um, I'm going to take my break now, and, and I'll come back in the winter and uh, come back strong for yeah. a spring-summer season next year. Um, so this race that we ran this past weekend, the Sunset Trail Running Festival, Brandon yeah. and I both ran the 28K. And to respond to her question about how am I doing, <laughs> I'm doing great because I am super sore because I ran that 28K on no training, and I feel awful. <laughs> but I feel so good because like it just it feels so good to work again. It feels so good to work hard again. And running hard is is working hard and um yeah. So I'm very happy. Oh good. And for the listeners, uh John and I like to race each other. Oh yeah. So all right, so let's give the history of this. I yes. Mean, I mean this is this is a great time to do this. So yeah. we have the John versus Miranda running series mm-hmm. where we have raced each other. Um this isn't. This isn't to say there. We there are events that we run to, that we run together. There are events that we um, maybe run different distances at the same event. But this race series specifically recaps any event where Miranda and I have started intending to beat each other. <laughs> yes, and we've done this now five times. Yeah, and Miranda and I are of, of similar paces. This uh-huh. was one one of the wonderful things when we met each other. Is just like we can hold the same long run pace. And, yeah. and not be too far off. You know, sometimes Miranda's fitter and sometimes I'm fitter, but like, that's just the way running goes. Yep. So what was the first race we did? The first race we did was Black Mountain, right? Oh, Black Mountain yeah. 25K, North County, San Diego. Yeah, that's a total Miranda event. What? I don't know. That was pretty techy and hilly. Super hot, running it into the hot. sun, exposed, lots of runnable trails. There were a lot of runnable trails. There was sign- there was some good technical descents on that trail that I really enjoyed. I'll bet. But there wasn't enough of it to really wear on you California groomer people. Um, I passed John at mile 12. 
So he, yeah, so he this was like twenty five k. Yeah, we should say that twenty five k. We didn't do the fifty k, which they had a fifty k. Yeah, we didn't do it. Very proud of myself for not doing the hardest thing all the time. And yeah, we did the twenty five k, and so mile twelve is almost like three or four miles from the finish of the race. It was this. We had been out for a while. You know, you you've been out for like almost two hours at this point, and mm-hmm. the sun is beating on you. And there's a there were a bunch of hills. And we were going climbing back up to the high point on this long railroad grade dirt road. Yep. Which is not my style and is 100% Miranda's. That's my jam. And we'll get back to that when we talk about our um, Sunset Trail Running Festival oh, experience this okay. past weekend. But yeah, but yeah Miranda so passes me. Passed him, and there was no, he wasn't going to see me again. It was. It was done at that we, point. We both thought I could make it up on the downhill, but I had nothing left. Oh, yeah, I thought he might be able to catch me on the downhill because it was a, quite a bit. But downhill. also, caveat, I did race a 50K the weekend before. Oh, you had to caveat, huh? <laughs> well, then, let's go on to our 50K. Was the, the next, next one, one was the Westline Winder. Westline Winder Great 50K, 50K in Buena Vista. Mm-hmm. If anybody's looking for a great, hot 50K in Colorado, Westline Winder in mid-September. Um, also paired with that, the Sawatch Ascent is in mid-September. I help with these races. I I don't own them. Um, and I'm not, I'm just affiliated as uh, I help out with the communications and runner tracking with these races. So, but if anybody wants some really great, really well done races, super well done races, uh, this is the same people who do high loans. You would not be disappointed. You get a little bottle of amazing whiskey as a finish line gift. It's incredible. And BV is one of the, one of the most beautiful parts of this beautiful state. Buena Vista. Buena Vista. <laughs> Buena. You can just say BV if you don't want to get corrected. Yeah. I had to say the full name for our um, non-Colorado oh, listeners. Oh, they don't understand the Colorado pronunciations. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. So, uh, yeah. So, we did Westline and... I beat John. You whooped me so by hard. By over an hour in that this one. This was the biggest, most lopsided event of our past i will also caveat this i ran a 50k the weekend prior (laughs) (laughs) this was my year of this was 2021 this was Mm -hmm. the year after covid and i mean i guess covid was still going on but like the races came back right i was racing everything this year that year i mean i did i did the barkley fall classic which is probably one of my best results ever and i was so sore for westline next week and so full, I had a full body poison oak rash or poison ivy rash. So that was, yeah. I mean, yeah. Westline was rough for me. Yeah, it was. But you, you also fell apart a little bit on that. I did fall. It was not my best race either. Um, I had a bit of a heat exhaustion towards the end mm. and dry heaving and just wasn't good. The last 10 miles were not my jam. <sighs> I had wanted, I think I wanted six hours and that was fell apart after mile 20 i bet you could if you came in again knowing what that race is yeah i think i might have are you racing anything this uh later this year yeah i'm gonna do the sawatch 50k the sawatch ascent yeah which is the sunday after it's uh it's the next day after the westline winder part of this the sawatch 50 50 at freestone endurance puts on yeah so i'm super excited to come back and see what i can actually do with um the current fitness i have um by the way miranda has boatloads of fitness right now (laughs) she is so fit 
Um, she's just running everything with ease up in the mountains, down in the valleys, everywhere. Uh, yeah, we'll get to sunset in a bit. So yeah, I'm just I just I just want to take an aside and say I am super impressed with this oh, girl. Thank she you, is gorgeous, so fit and and just doing it with ease. Um, what was our next race? Next one was the feature. So at this point, five it was, mile. By the way, no. at this point, it's two zero in favor of you. Yeah. Oh no, no no the next one was um the Moab. Yeah. No 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 feature five. Wait. No, Moab. Yeah, Moab was, Moab. was next. Uh-huh. Oh, so we skip a whole year. Yeah, we skip we're, a we're whole going, year. So we didn't race for a whole Each year. Each other. We raced separate events. Well, 2022 was all about my Barkley build. Yeah, you were all so Barkley building. We didn't... Um, didn't do much. I mean, I raced a couple of half marathons. Yeah, like, but yeah, we didn't do a lot of events for us. No. It was a lot of selfishness. Yeah, and then we did... What I would consider one of the most beautiful marathons that I've ever oh done. Oh, my God. And I've only done beautiful marathons. I pick marathons because they're gorgeous. I mean, and this you've, goes you've down done, top. You've done, what, you've done Big, Big Sur. Big You've done this one, that one in Snoqualmie with Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. I did a, uh, Avenue of the Giants in the Redwoods. Oh, my God. People call that as super, one of the most beautiful in the country. Yep. But the Moab Trail Marathon is... An excellent race put on by excellent people. It is fantastically beautiful. I have run the event twice, and I've run the half marathon once, and I can say that both distances are have an incredible course. Um, I, they are hard, though. They're, and this it's a hard is where marathon. John came back and redeemed himself. He because beat it, me by 10 minutes. Yeah. It was Solidly a, beat me. I was uh, I wanted to beat my old time. Um, and I basically tied it. I got like five Oh one. Right. Um, yeah. my, my old, my old time from like 2016 was like five Oh two thirty. This year was a little harder, I think. And I did around five Oh five Oh one. So, uh, I pretty much ran essentially the same time. I would have liked to have gone sub five, but yeah, I had a pretty good day and I was really fit in that Barkley build mm-hmm. and I didn't race a 50 K the week prior. <laughs> Imagine that. And I got the I got the win, and this was very redeeming because at this point I was down two zero. I could not go down three zero. I mean that would be insurmountable <laughs> to come back from. So I nabbed the win at Moab Trail Marathon, and yeah. then later that month we were in Boston for Thanksgiving. We decided to run the Feaster Five in yeah. what town is it in New Boston? Oh gosh, I can't. We're gonna have can't to look even this up. remember. But this was a five-mile race, really well put on. It was um, an old race. It had been going on for quite some time. Yeah, like 30 on, years. Yeah, on Thanksgiving Day. It's run by the Boston Athletic Association, yeah. right? I think. The crowd came out. It was such a great event. Yeah, Andover, Massachusetts. Andover. I knew it started with an A. I was going to yeah. try to say Asheville, but I knew that was wrong. It may not be Boston Athletic Association, but it's the same uh, race director as the Boston Marathon. But I believe it's run by a different um, organization. Whatever. It was rad. It was, I, if, it you're was ever rad. In, if you're ever in Boston, I recommend it. It was super cold. Um, I was a little bit like, oh, we're going to do this. You but know, once we got going, the... I'm not, I'm not huge on a lot of road races. You yeah. know, I think road races have their place in a running calendar. Um but this was really electric of an atmosphere. I mm-hmm. blew away my 5K P 
PR yeah. on this five mi- five miler. So that was really exciting. Um, yeah. So and then yeah, I, I solidly beat, you, beat, beat me. Yeah. And now good, I had a good day. Now let's come back to the sunset, the sunset trail running sunset festival. Trail running festival. We're twenty eight. We're tied. Which let's give a little history on this event. Okay, you, you go for it. Okay, so back, I believe this event started in 2018, but I could be wrong. Um, and it's located in this little town of Gold Hill up in the hills west of Boulder. Mm-hmm. And it ran in 2018, ran in 2019. Was, that's what I believe, but I, I could be a little wrong on that. They had a 50K, and Joe Grant, who's a famous Black Diamond-sponsored ultra runner, um, he was help, helped out with the event, and uh, he lived in Gold Hill, and so he helped bring it there. And then some shenanigans happened with the race director with some money, and the race never happened again. The money is supposed to go towards fire mitigation and prevention in the community. So it goes Which is very important. Very in the important in that mountain town. And apparently, this guy made off with the money. Sure, I, I don't. I don't know the specifics of it, but that's that's the that's rumor has it. The rumor. Yeah. Um. So to see the event back this year, I was pretty excited. I'm excited because there are not a lot of events in Boulder County. There are not a lot of trail events in Boulder County. Boulder County is huge. It spans from near Denver all the way up to Longmont. Uh, it spans this whole mountain range known as the Indian Peaks all the way to Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, and there are so many wonderful trails. We, we are a trail running mecca. When I tell people I live in Boulder, uh, you know, I get a lot of, oh, sure, like, yeah, I wish I lived there. You know, when you talk to other runners, right? Um, but it's kind of funny when you describe, yeah, we don't have any races. We yeah. got none. So um, to, the reason we don't have races is because all of our land management essentially doesn't, doesn't allow races. So I said land management and my computer turned back to a forest service page. Um, <laughs> but because we have, we have the Indian Peaks Wilderness Area, uh, we have open space and mountain parks in Boulder City that doesn't allow uh, any races on there. We have Boulder County that doesn't allow races. The only places that allow races are the National Forest outside of the wilderness area, private land managers, and state parks. There's only one state park in Boulder County, El Dorado State Park, and there is uh-huh. a race there, there the is. Rattlesnake Ramble, yeah. four and a half miler. It's very fun. Um, and then there's a, another trail race, the Calarat Trail Challenge, I believe is what it's called. And that is a half mile or half marathon distance trail race on mostly private land. Um, and then there is, uh, there's the Ned Ned, which is a half marathon on uh, trails that are uh, mostly forest service managed outside of the wilderness area. And then this um, sunset trail running festival. So I think local things are really awesome. I think local things are how you build community. We, we, we have to like really honor local things and to just hear that this race is coming back, being reborn with a new uh, race director. Yeah. I was just super excited to go to this thing and, and see what it is in my local community. So that's the setup for tr- sunset. What happened on race day? Yeah. So race day, um, I had been feeling pretty low. We had just gotten back from a trip to Southern California. Um, Nick and Sophie, these friends of ours in California, were getting married, a camping wedding, which was a blast. So uh, it was so much fun. Camping with all of our friends, beautiful ceremony that was so 
um, authentic and low-key and them. Um, and we and had a good trail run. We had a good trail run. I went on a 13-mile trail run um, with some of my old running friends. Not They're not old and it's an age, but previous life running friends, right. um, which was a lot of fun. It was a beautiful run that ran um, along a ridge. It wasn't climbing a, a mountain or anything like that, just running along a it ridge. It ran along a bench. Yeah, bench. Bench? A bench. Is that what you call it? It's like um, it's like when there's an area of that stays at a reasonable height above a valley a or river. river. Yeah. So it's like um, a bench. A bench because it, it looks like a bench along in yeah. the topology, right? So there was a trail just along this bench. It was about 200 feet above the Santa Ana River, I believe. Yep. Stunningly beautiful. It was, this is near San Gorg- north of San Gorgonio Mountain yep. in the San Bernardino National Forest. The smells reminded me of just being home. It was great. But um, I felt like I didn't really recover from that trip. Like I was having a hard time yeah. recovering. I was really tired. Two nights in a tent and then and two flights and getting home super late on the third night. Yeah, like we, we had home. very little sleep. Yeah. I went into the work week just exhausted. All my runs were feeling, my legs were heavy, which I felt like I should be strong because I'd had two weeks of relatively low mileage, which prior to that I've been doing, I've been doing monster mountain adventures and big things, 20 plus miles. And then these, the two weeks prior were like in the teens mileage wise for my long runs. Um, so I've been in my ankle been bothering me. So it just wasn't feeling good. But for some reason, magically race morning, I woke up feeling good. <laughs> you were feeling great. race morning. I get a lot of energy from the excitement of racing. Um, it's just naturally I'm a morning person as well. So I woke up like my ankle feels good. I'm not tired. I feel great. It's race day. You were so stoked. So I was super stoked. And we got to that start line. I usually have nerves the first few miles of races, which is why I never take the lead early. I'm always uh, take the lead later in, in the game. Miranda always has energy at the end. Never at the beginning. So in the beginning, we had a big descent. Well, here, I'll go over the course real quick. So you, okay. you, you start on Gold, Gold Hill, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't never been there, it's on a hill. <laughs> and then you drop off down to this little town of, which I now know how to pronounce as Salina. Salina. You might look at the name and pronounce it Salina, but you would be wrong. It's Salina. Buna, Buena, Salina, Salina, whatever. <laughs> drop down to Salina. That's four and a half miles and you've just lost 2000 feet of gain. So you, yeah, it's a big descent. And then you start running slight uphill on paved road. That turns into dirt road, and it's still just slightly uphill. You've probably gained maybe 500, 700 feet over these last, like, five miles. And then you turn up onto railroad-grade Switzerland Trail. Switzerland Trail has a great history. I've already regaled you with so much Boulder County history that I will not regale you with the history (laughs) of the Switzerland Trail. But uh, suffice to say, it's important in the history of 
this area. Yeah. That was so you turn on the Switch to the Trail after running through the town of Sunset. Get that Sunset Trail Running Festival. Yeah. Running through the town of Sunset. And then you hop on that railroad grade and you just climb, 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 climb for another four miles to get to the top. And then you have a little bit more climbing before a steep 500 foot descent right into the finish. So it is about, uh, it's about maybe a little less than five miles of descending and 12 miles of ascending. Yep. And the climbing is very, very runnable. It's all runnable, which makes it worse. So John and I are together on the descent. descent yeah. We're totally together on the descent. Um, and then we have an aid station at the bottom of the descent. And I stopped for aid because I'd only brought electrolytes in my water bottle. So I was getting a little cup of water. And John pulls ahead. I just ran through it. Yeah, he I just ran through I it. I didn't pick up a lot of speed or anything no he ran through it keeps going so i'm behind him for a bit um he, he's in my sights though and i just slowly start to gain on him and then i pass him and mm. then i keep gaining and keep gaining i think by mile 10 uh miranda had over a two minute lead on me and that was the last time i saw her and that was that was when i finally um, fell into my groove, which is interesting. That's like me. I have nerves until like mile 10. And so then once I hit that mile 10, my heart rate dropped and I kept climbing and, um, I just started picking people off after that. People were slowing down and I kept climbing and climbing. And, um, at mile 13 was probably the highlight of my event. I passed someone, um, we'll just call him Chad, someone who um, I was very happy to yeah. see and pass. We, we just call him Chad because he's kind of a Chad. Yeah, kind of a Chad. Chad. Um, and so it made me happy. I was like, I was nice, of course. I wasn't rude, but it was very, very much a highlight of my event to pass this person who's also very fast. Miranda doesn't hold a lot of grudges, but she holds a few. <laughs> I held a few and I hold them strong. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And there was no one at that point, no one was passing me anymore. And I just eased on into the finish line and I had a great day. I felt great. It was a great run. I love that distance. It was like 17 point five ish miles yeah great distance for me felt strong the whole time after Miranda left me I tried to run well on the Switzerland trail which is rocky so I felt like if I could run well I could gain some amount of time back because I'm a little better on technical trail although that truth is really not becomes a fallacy every day that you live here and get better at technical trail. Um, but I just had no, um, I, I had no, I have no heat adaptation. I have no training to suffice. This was at mile 10. I had run the longest I had run in 10 weeks. And since I run a hundred miles and yeah, I, I, my heart rate was sitting at 172 to 175 when I was jogging uphill at 11-minute miles. And that's just not sustainable for me. That's basically my, that's my zone five. And, yeah, I couldn't sustain that. 
So I had to back off to drop my heart rate or else I was going to have to like, you know, trudge in the last set six miles or so. So once I started backing off, I knew I had no chance of catching you. I did as good as I could to, uh, to finish strong and ended up finishing about, what, eight minutes behind you? Yeah. So, uh, and then I had a lot of pain because I haven't run that much in a long time and I'm still in pain. <laughs> uh, but it, like I said, it feels good to be sore. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we had a lot to catch up on. Well, we still haven't. Well, what about uh, High Lonesome? I know we still haven't talked about High Lonesome or the Maroon Bells. Oh my gosh! You yeah. want to go first, Maroon Bells? Sure. Um, Maroon Bells were freaking gorgeous, um, but I hated having a backpack on my back. I can't wait to go back there and run it. <laughs> yeah, go run the forecast loop. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, what to say about it. It was beautiful, stunningly gorgeous. Um, I guess I'll just, I think I want what I want to say right now is that um, I recently had a job offer to leave Colorado Ugh. and go to- Back to California. California. It was a good job offer, mm. a real job offer. It would have been a promotion in every sense of the word. Um, uh, higher salary, higher title, more responsibilities. Um, and I thought seriously about it and opted not to leave Colorado, not to leave Boulder. And the, like that experience in the maroon bells and just the beauty that you see on an adventure like that. You see snow, you see mountain lakes where they're so still. You can see the reflection of the mountains in mm. them. Ugh. The sky is so blue. It's just really magical around every corner. And that's the reason I couldn't bring myself to leave and go to the Bay Area, California. I support your decision to stay here. <laughs> yeah, we really considered it, but it is so beautiful here. It really has a, a piece of my heart for sure. Think any of your coworkers are going to listen to this? Um, that's okay if they do. They should know I'm wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that trip was really beautiful. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we don't often backpack. We are mostly runners. Mm-hmm. Um, I am far more comfortable running for a day than I am camping for two nights or a night. Um, but it's good to get outside of your comfort zone. It's been a bit of that lately, and yeah, putting a backpack on the back and spending some time in the backcountry. It was nice. Yeah, I did do a it's little relaxing. adventure. Um, a side adventure without the backpack um, where Ryan and I uh, went up another pass and we glissaded down the snow and um, we had to climb with our hands quite a bit of it because it was just uh, snow on top of scree. So it was quite the adventure um, and I just loved every moment of that being free of the backpack too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, free the backpack. Um, so the other big thing that happened in the recent times is Highlands and 100. 
Uh, High Lonesome is a 100-mile running race in the Sawatch Mountains of Colorado. It is run by the same people that we talked about with the Sawatch Ascent and the Westline Winder, um, which make up the Sawatch 50-50. Our friends Caleb and Kelsey, uh, Caleb Efta and Kelsey Beneshinsky, they are awesome, awesome people. We love them so much. Uh, uh, Caleb is the race director of the Highlands 100 and Kelsey is the co-owner and operations director and they run this race together and it is, I have to say, just one of the premier events of Colorado. There are some really, really amazing events in this state um, and you really can't go wrong with running any of them, but yeah. High Lonesome, you know, really shows its, its, uh, its value through everything you experience on that course. So the reason I'm talking about it is because I am the communications director for this race, which means I am in charge of um, communications between aid stations, um, equipment allocation for that uh, purpose, as well as emergency communications in the event of something going wrong, as well as just normal like, hey, we need some extra, we need some resupply, and then runner tracking. So I also manage our um, cadre of volunteers that do run and tracking and we do a lot, a bunch of iPads. So it's a smaller race. We had 175 entrants this year and next year we're up to 200, which is very exciting. But, um, with that many people, we, we do manual runner tracking. So it's not, it's not electronic. We have 14 aid stations. Almost all of them are in the backcountry of some way or another. We're lucky enough that seven of them have cell service, but the other seven have to rely on uh, satellite communications. We don't use, uh, before anybody asks, we don't use ham radio groups. We didn't, uh, I believe when Caleb started the race, uh, this was pre-me being involved, uh, he didn't want to rely on some external group for runner communication. So we use satellite communications, which has gotten a lot easier in recent years with Starlink. Um, I ran this race in 2018. It was my first 100-miler. It it means a lot to me, both personally and to be a part of this community. I have the race tattooed on my... I have the race logo tattooed on my calf. I really like this race. It's the only tattoo. It is my only tattoo. Although I do want another one. We'll see. Um, So, yeah, like this race is... Being comms director is so much work. Um, it's a tiny job. Like uh, the way Caleb describes it to everyone is that I, you know, help your grandmothers know where you are when you're running the race, which is essentially that is the job. But it is so much work to get that done. <laughs> um, I, I I work probably I don't know like somewhere in the order of yeah, eighty hours in like four days. Um, but it is the most rewarding thing I do all year to help people, you know, to help put on this event where people can push themselves. Um, this year, Kelsey Banishinsky was able to run her race, a race that she has helped put on for years. Um, she was able to run it as her first 100 miler, and she finished in 35-45, and we were so proud of her. We had another friend, um, Suzanne, who had tried – twice and failed to run 100 miles and she finished her first 100 miler here yeah um mario did a great job out there 
Um, so many different friends. You know, when you build the community around a race, you just you see people every year. You see people coming out to try. High Lonesome is really, really hard. And it's just so, it's so amazing to see people accomplish something that is, you know, as Lazarus Lake says, <laughs> you can't accomplish anything unless, like, I, you can't, I forget how the quote goes, but you can't accomplish anything unless it's a real challenge. And unless, it's not a challenge unless there's a chance of failure, a real chance of failure. So, um, I mean, High Lonesome's pretty hard, and everyone has a chance of fit failure. Yeah. And I, I just love helping put on that race, despite it being so much work. Um, so I have one thing to say about this community is that um, I volunteered at the finish line last year just for the day um, to mostly come out and see John and support him in what he does. And it was one of the only communities I've ever been in where sexism is not only not present, but accounted for and intentionally um, the language that is used, the way that women are spoken to has a level of respect that corrects for sexism. And I've been a part of, I've worked for women's resource centers and in many social justice spaces. So I know what it feels like when you have that experience and I know what it's like when that's not present. And I think many of us as women become very accustomed to not noticing when sexism is present because it's just such a common part of our daily life that it's kind of, um, it's so both jarring and refreshing when it's not present. And it was a pretty wonderful experience. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, that's sort of like the secondary, right? Like that's the High Lonesome has a 50-50 entrance rate with women and men because mm -hmm. they do a lottery where they give 50% of the entrance slots to women. So the front start line of the race this year was all women. Last year, the top 10 was five men and five women. The equality of this race is really, really great. We would like to see it in more races. Um, I just love being part of such a... It's a vibrant community. Yeah. Um, and it's around basically a single race, which is just so cool. It's super And cool. it's not that old. And, and Caleb and Kelsey have done such a good job to build the community there. So if anybody's looking for a tough, real challenge in, the, in Colorado, can't help but uh, endorse the High Lonesome 100. But, yeah, that was a big weekend for me yeah. in these past few weeks, you know. Um, I wow. didn't go out there. I missed him a lot. Oh, yeah. We and missed And I you. felt so, uh, so much FOMO, which I don't get that often, but I was really disappointed I didn't go. I'm always hoping Miranda volunteers and then gets somehow selected in the volunteer lottery. By the way, if you volunteer at Highlands 100, <laughs> your chances of getting in the race are, are much bigger. Um, so, uh, but she did not go this year, so she was not selected in the volunteer lottery. She's, Miranda has... Is not in for Highlands from 2023, 2024. Gosh, <laughs> the years, they just keep going. Imagine that. Mm. Shall we? Shall we transition to a question? Yeah, we only, we just had a 45 minute recap. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize we had so much to say. I had two questions. Well, let's I... just, let's do both of them. Let's see how long it takes. Okay, shall we start with the long one or the short one first? Mm. 
start with the long one. Okay. Wait, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back with our questions. Perfect. In a fun, healthy, and sustainable place. I feel strong and I like how my body looks most days. Now to the point. No matter how much I tell myself that my relationship to food and exercise is so much healthier than it used to be. I can't help but compare my body aesthetic to what they were like when I was in a really unhealthy place with exercise. I lost about 30 pounds when I first got into Orange Theory Fitness and the response of people around me at the time was so encouraging and wow, you've never looked better when in reality, I'd never been so sad, unhealthy. Presently, I'm back at my pre-Orange Theory Fitness weight, but I know so much of that is muscle this time. My clothes fit differently, and I know about more about nutrition, and so I'm much happier than before. I'm active. I move my body every day in ways that feel happy and good to me. Most days, it is easy to convince myself of that, but still... Lots of days I get focused on the number and I think, wow, I'm 30 pounds more than when all those people told me I looked great. So as I watch the number on the scale go up, even when I'm feeling really consistent in food and movement, it gets discouraging. I guess I'm looking for encouragement. Oh, this is a very interesting quandary. So yeah. where, where do we get this question from? This is from Reddit. Which we should say the Reddit user. Give proper credit. Well, they, don't, they, they stay anonymous. It's anonymous? There's no user? No. No. Anonymous. 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 Yeah. So anonymous, anonymous. This. <laughs> anonymous, so. anonymous. Well, so. uh, just wanted to say that um, we would be happy to read any user feedback or questions um, or stories uh, so if you have one please send it to us either on my social uh, Instagram account mildly athletic it's mildly underscore athletic or on our email which is running with problems wait it's podcast at running with problems dot run run yeah podcast at running with problems dot run. run sorry it's been a few weeks <laughs> yeah so yeah to tackle this question so um i relate to this so much i relate to different parts of this so much <laughs> so the part that i relate to so much is that at my saddest most most unhealthy times in my life i've received the most positive verbal feedback on your body image. on my body so there's one time in particular that comes to mind that i'd like to share with this this writer um and i'll link to the podcast in the comments so that this writer can um they go by she her they them this writer can um listen but what i want to say is that um i almost died once I got super, super, this is not literally almost I, but I got super, super sick. I was super sick. I had been on a workout kick, so I had a lot of muscle, but my body also naturally just carries a, like a layer of, of like, you know, womanly fat 
on the top of my muscle. Uh, it took a, took a lot for you to say that <laughs> word. I wanted to like, I don't want to over, I didn't want to overemphasize it because it's not like I'm a... You're a slender woman. A slender woman, but I don't have um, abs that are defined. I don't have defined muscles as we are told is what a traditionally fit person looks like. Yeah. It's not really much I can say in this So, <laughs> so anyways, um, I had been working out, um, but then I got super sick. And what, what, what do you mean sick? I got sick, sick, sick. Like the worst flu that had ever plagued anyone in their life. I thought, uh, the only reason I didn't go to the hospital thinking I was going to die is because two of my roommates had had it before me and lived. So... I knew there was a chance I could live. This is pre-COVID? <laughs> this is way pre-COVID. Um, this was at the, towards the end of my grad school time. And then I went to Belize. Like, the day I got better, I was scared I was going to have to cancel my trip because there's no way I was going to get on a flight. Everyone was telling me how great I looked. You look amazing, Miranda. Oh, my God. What have you been doing? Uh, yeah, I almost died. Thanks, thanks for noticing. <laughs> the stomach flu. <laughs> Try it somewhere. I almost died. <laughs> and Norovirus. It'll make you skinny. So how problematic is it that we have a culture that values looks that resemble death? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's putting it pretty bluntly. I mean... Yeah, I mean, the more I've learned about body dysmorphia in the people around me um, and the effects it has, you know, I've been lucky enough to have extremely mild body dysmorphia, which I guess is very lucky in our society. Um, like, when I see somebody who looks emaciated, I now recognize that as emaciated and not skinny. But that is not the default. That is not what we are taught. We are taught that emaciated is skinny. And beautiful. Um, that's what the models look like. That's what they're Literally heroin chic. Literally heroin chic, which is just so problematic. Like, what, what the fuck is our society come to when heroin chic is spoken aloud in normal context with no one questioning it? As the current beauty standard trend in Hollywood. Oh, my God. It seems like a reaction to, like, I mean, I guess we had a period where thicker women were being enshrined in publicity. But it was a very certain type of thickness. I want to be sure to... It was always... You got to be curvy in the right places. Well, you know, like... There's a lot of of pop stars that came out more recently who do not follow traditional trends. That is true. We had a couple... You go Lizzo, you know, like, you know, recent bigger pop stars... Um, have not followed traditional norms, right? I, you know, almost like heroin chic is a response to that or something. A backlash. Ugh, it's disgusting. But we f- we definitely feel you, or mm-hmm. I feel you, writer. This is. I feel I feel the writer in the sense of like, like you just don't feel good enough in your day to day, whatever it was, and you're working out. You have a healthy relationship to exercise. And your life starts to, and every other part of your life just starts to fall apart. And you attach onto something. And 
you try to do that thing all the time. That's what I did. That's how I got uh, into. That's how I got into ultra running. Yeah, I mean, it's a common thing in our sport. That's why I thought that tackling this question was so interesting. I guess my primary response now, I can't really connect over the body dysmorphia as much because I have, I guess the way I think about my body is these days, the healthiest way I can think about it is with capability. That Mm. like, I am proud of my body's capability. I am proud with what I can do with my body. Some days I carry more fat than others, but I think, hey, I can run, you know, I can run what I can run and I can do what I can do. And that makes me feel good. And from where I came from, when, you know, like when I started out in this sport, like very poor results, like comparatively. So seeing the progress I've made, the capability with my body compared with my personal capability of many years ago, I'm really happy about that. I'm happy that my body allows me to do to get out in these mountains and do these fun things and travel. Like, and as I age, I hope that my body will be, continue to be as capable as it can be and that I can, you know, still be able to get outside and run, um, you know. So I, I guess that's how I measure my body. And I know that you can't just yeah. tell somebody to change the way they measure their body. Society's told them that they should measure it based on how emaciated they look. But... Um, this is like, this is my practice. And so I just want to share that. No, I think that's very relevant. That's very relevant to the conversation and relevant to the writer. I think that's a great way to shift your focus. And yeah, you can't tell someone, but you can, you can uh, provide them with a channel, another avenue to right. train their mind. Like the, the writer says like he has trouble like balancing the fact that he's 30, he's as heavy as he was she 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 they she they sorry she they is as heavy as she they was um uh but is now stronger she knows she has more muscle Mm -hmm. well i mean capability wise she's way fitter yeah right i mean it's really hard to estimate body like efficiency right if we could really just tell you here's how well your body is actually working then like everyone would measure their body but like that. But we can't, right? So we, we have to measure based on something that like non-doctors can measure. And like efficiency, utility, like how hard do you breathe when you walk up the stairs? Yeah. Like, you know, how, yes, how many weights can you, can you lift? But like walking the dog doesn't make you out of breath, yeah. right? These little things in life, like when they ask for three strong people to go move a couch, you stand up, right? Yeah. Because... You work on yourself and you build yourself and it doesn't matter like whether you conform to some, some like Cosmo version of what a good body looks like. Your body will change over the years. Like as you age, you will become less hot. This is what happens to everyone. Because of the way that our conventional beauty standards value youth and thinness. Right. So... So start trying to do a little bit of work to shift the focus away from the way it looks to the what it does. At least that's my primary form of it. That's my first piece of advice for this this writer. Yeah. Um, And I mean, there are multiple resources out there. There's the body neutrality movement where um, 
we stop trying to find a positive relationship with our body and start to come to a neutral place. Um, I don't subscribe to that um, for my own self. I am continually working to be more and more in love with my body. And by being in love with its accomplishments, that has created a really great channel for me to find that love and appreciation for my body, just like John was saying. And um, I really have hope that you can do the same. I mean, look at you. You're you're out there um, doing runs, doing snow activities, biking to work. I mean, you are getting outside in the snow. That is more than 99% of people do. <laughs> Most people see snow and they go to the fire. Yeah. Uh, the other point I'd like to tackle with this question is the reliance on extreme activities to vanquish your trauma Uh, yes she uh, luckily did mention which I thought of you um, she did mention she's in real therapy and she did use real therapy yeah a lot of people say running is therapy and if you listen to all five episodes of this show you've probably heard me say that I don't believe running is therapy uh, nor do I believe any other exercise is therapy running and exercise and all these great things are excellent ways to ignore your trauma they're excellent tools to help you process with therapy they're excellent tools to help you continue to work post therapy because therapy like all good things should come to an end at some point and you know talking about how she like she leaned into orange theory in an extreme way right so this is some She's going this through is a tough time I, in life, a divorce. Uh, this is something I really, I really touch on because like I came into ultra running in an extreme way as a response to my divorce. Mm-hmm. And it took me going to real therapy to work through the underlying issues, you know, like all the shit, you know, parents and, and family and whatever, that actually working through that gave me the space to determine how I wanted to run that I wasn't just running because I needed to, because otherwise I would crumble under the weight of my trauma. But instead I was able, I gave myself the space to figure out why I wanted to run or whether I wanted to run at all. Yeah. And this was after I ran high, low in the Highlands 100 in 2018. Um, And after I did a bunch of therapy about my brother's death and and then that gave me this huge space where I was just like, I don't know if I can ultra run anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore, right? It's this big question because what drives you is this trauma. And then you go and you solve, you don't solve, you, you mitigate the effects of that yeah. trauma on your life. And all of a sudden, your motivation to going to Orange Theory, all of a sudden, your motivation to ultra run or whatever it is for you, the listener, it... If you're doing the real work, you will lose that motivation, that trauma-based motivation, that I'm not good enough motivation. And you will, and that will be hard. But through it, you'll be able to understand why you actually like what you're doing or whether you actually do, you know? Yeah. Because it's okay to quit. It's fine. Well, I think this, this writer quit. Orange Theory at that intensity and found other avenues of finding joy in activity, which, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this applies universally, you know, whether it's running or lifting or uh, 
rock climbing or walking or cycling or yeah I mean I'm gonna remove going to work and doing your job from that list but <laughs> but forms of personal activity that's what we or exercise and enjoyment outdoors that's what we like to support on this podcast yeah I think that's a really good point that uh this this writer may have lost the the um the motivation of grief and trauma that had been motivating her to go to Orange Theory constantly. Yeah. To lose that 30 pounds. Yeah. And now that she's in a healthier place, her motivation has to come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So she's got to find that. She's yeah. got to spend that time to like delve into herself and yeah. figure out why she really enjoys it. Because she does. Because she's yeah. there. Yeah. You wouldn't be there just for other people. You know? Yeah. It's a big reason you're there, but it's not the only reason. Something inside of you is telling you to to do this particular route as opposed to another route. You know, instead of hiking in the snow every day, you're working out every day and doing a little hiking in the snow, right? That choice matters, right? And, that, and there's something about lifting that's making her feel good. And it's yeah. something that she wants. Maybe it's that personal challenge of like, Wondering if she can do it. I don't know. Yeah. I hope this helped, Ryder. Um, I know we didn't give you a solid um, action plan, but I hope our musings and sharing some of our experiences help you a little bit. You have the endurance for another one, babe? I do. Let's do this final one. It's actually much shorter. Okay. Go. Okay. This one is... Um, titled Lazy Girl. So this is our, our writer. And this is also from Reddit? This is also from Reddit. I am really into this guy that I went on a date with the other day and have known for a few months now. I think he is perfect and could really see it going somewhere, but I have one concern. I am the earthy type, and so is he, but I am more of the lay in a field and eat fruit and drink beer kind of outdoorsy or go on walks in the city for hours. I like to be outside, but I'm not a runner, or a biker, or a hiker at all. He is all of those things. And it is one of his main passions, outdoor sports. I'm fit in my ways, but overall, honestly, just a lazy kind of girl. Whenever people I'm dating try to get me to go on hikes or whatever it ends up, just making me feel insecure because I don't like to do things and I am not in shape in that way. I find that people that are into outdoor sports always pair up with other people that are equally as into them. He has many other passions too and we have other things in common. I just wonder if those outdoorsy people can ever really be okay with their partner staying behind on their big adventures. Because I know the joy of sharing those moments with the people that you love. I'm looking for insights from people on either side of this spectrum. Please and thanks. Well, we obviously come on a very certain side of this spectrum. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily know that we come from a single side of the spectrum. We're both 
active and share that activity. We do, we do, yes. So our relationship fits the the anti color model. Exactly. That's why I thought that it would be an interesting. How long have they been dating? They've gone on a few dates. Oh, okay. All right. So this is a bit early. This is really early. She's just wondering, is she? Yes. She's just She's a wa- lazy girl. Lazy girl. Lazy girl is wondering whether it's worth pursuing. Exactly. Whether it can work. She's wondering, she's like, is this just going to implode? Because is he going to want to hang out with a lazy girl when he's active? Well, the short answer is, ain't going to work. What? I disagree. We're going to fight you now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, um, yeah, it definitely can. I mean, the short answer is it definitely can work, but um, there's, there's, you Some have to caveats. be, you have to be like not anxious about yes. your par- partner leaving you. I mean, and your partner's going on a big adventure, whether they're traveling to another city for a marathon or they're uh, going on a large mountain adventure every Saturday or they're just training, you know, every Thursday morning with, uh, with our running partner who may be the same sex as you are. <laughs> <laughs> we had that question before. Right. There's all these things that exercise puts you in a place where you are with other people in a way from your partner regularly. That's just what exercise does. It helps you get out and be social in the world. And if you are a partner who cannot handle your part, your partner, like doing that, Mm -hmm. who is anxious about that happening, if either of you are anxious about this happening, then it's just like, that's going to be a recipe for uh, some yeah. imploding happening because anxiety kills relationships. Right. At least I, that's my, my theory. I think that's an excellent, that's excellent advice. And I, I have some advice too. And that is, uh, if you, as the partner of someone who enjoys these outdoor activities, can find a channel in which to connect with him over these outdoor activities in a different way than doing them, then I think you have a great foundation for a relationship. And what I mean by that, let me give some concrete examples. If he likes to run marathons, you you drop him off at the start line. Oh my gosh, there is nothing better than getting dropped off at the start line. Um, the, the bus situation it's to nightmare. a big city marathon. Nightmare. Insane. Oh, I would be so happy to have a partner. You just saved him an hour and a half of oh, sleep. Yes. And he will love you for or her. It. Like, I don't know your partners. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I think it was a he oh, okay. right. in this particular situation. So yes, if you can, um, you know, listen to his stories and actually enjoy them about his adventure and ask interesting, engaging questions. Oh my God. He's going to love you so much because let me tell you, runners and climbers and athletes, all they want to do is talk about their adventure. We, that's what we do. We also like to talk about our shoes. So if you enjoy our, our connecting with him over these things. Shirts. This is going to be fine. Fanny packs. You got nothing to worry about. I have, I have one story. Sunglasses. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I have one, one more story to share. Um... And this is a story that actually made it in our vows. I don't know if I've shared it on this podcast yet, um, but if I have, that's fine. I'm going to retell it. We can do a vows episode. Oh, we should. 
Um, so before dating John, I had briefly dated um, a guy in San Diego who was non not athletic, not athletic at all. We'll um, just call him Jared. <laughs> Um, he was an athletic trainer, so I thought he would understand my athletic endeavors, but, um, on a particularly long Saturday run, which us runners know these Saturday mountain runs can, I mean, they can be anywhere from four hours to eight hours. We don't know. We're could just be longer out there. with the drive. Who knows? We don't know. We're out of cell service. We're out there. Anyways, we had made tentative plans to hang out afterwards, and um, I, of course, didn't get back till late because it was out of cell service because I, that's what you do when you're out there running in the mountains on the Pacific Crest Trail. He was very mad at me. Very mad. Thought I was disrespecting his time, furious, just not happy. And I was just like, I left that interaction being like, oh, God, like this is... I don't know if this is going to work. And then I meet John. This is fast forward. This is fast forward. Yeah. Not more than a few months. It was like six months later. Okay. Fast forward. And I meet John. And um, I got, have a similar experience where we were going to hang out on a Saturday. And I ended up tackling Long's Peak that Saturday. Another 14er. Two 14ers this episode. So anybody playing 14er bingo, throw Long's Peak on your 14er bingo card. This was a beast. You spend a lot of time climbing with your hands. It just took forever. And I got down the mountain way late. And I called John as soon as I got in cell service. And I'm like, I, I opened with like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know this was going to take so long. And he said, can't wait to hear about it. Come over. I'll cook you a steak. I fell so in love with him in that moment. <laughs> and it's in part because of that, my experience with the previous individual who did not support my athletic endeavors that I realized what a catch I had in John. My guess is your partner has had experiences or I guess he's not your partner yet. Your date has had experiences with people who don't support his athletic endeavors. And he's clearly willing to date people who aren't runners. So your way to his heart is just to be supportive. Yeah. Uh, as, as the more runner in this relationship, we still experience this. Even though we get mm-hmm. to have days like Sunday where we were able to run and race against each other and share that and talk about our race together over and over again, as we have in the past few days. There are many times where I'm on a big adventure, and yeah. you're optionally not you know, necessarily need to come, right? Right. And trying to do things that involve you, bring you into the fold, let you give you a place to experience the race or, and support me. You know, I don't need you to support me in everything I do. And if you decided that you were never going to support me on anything, we, you know, we would have to discuss that. But like, you know, doing things like where, like at Tianaway, you were able to crew and pace, doing things at uh, like Ring the Springs where I ran the 100 and you ran the 50K. You know, we're making, um, we're making a situation where we can both have a good level of enjoyment of the situation, feel supported by the other person and go have a good time. So if 
I have also been in a relationship that fell apart due to running, um, <laughs> as we all have. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, my, this path, that relationship, the, the one that fell apart, um, it started out really well. I was training for 100. It was great. You know, things were good. And then um, anxieties, mostly due to other factors that, like, really were outside of our control, um, came into play. And eventually those manifested as, like, why are you leaving me to go running for 12 hours on a Saturday? And it's like, I don't know who you thought you were dating, <laughs> but I was training for a hundred when we started dating and now I'm training for another hundred. I believe I'm being consistent here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. And experiencing that like made me when I was coming into the dating, when I was ready to seriously date again after my marriage and all those things fell apart and all that, was I just really wanted a girl that would both accept me and support me and understood why I run. This is a very key point. It is, it is that understanding that I need to be out there, that I need to see these things for my own personal glory, personal challenge, personal community. And to build that and like those all the combination of all those things is how I measure myself and how I build myself. And I needed somebody who understood that I was out there for a reason. That I wasn't out there because I needed to be away from her. I was out there yeah. to build myself. And I was so lucky to stumble across this beautiful girl on an HHR <laughs> in the pandemic my lovely Miranda, who not only understands me, but also completely shares mm -hmm. that very similar passion. Um, but that was, the, that was what I was looking for. I was looking for mm -hmm. understanding. Yes. So to the writer, I would say it can work. Yeah. If you genuinely try to understand this person and why they're out there, and you support them in the way that hopefully it's not too burdensome on you. Like, I mean. Oh, no, we, you we have to enjoy doing it. Yeah. It has to be something you love doing. Find a way that you love doing it. It can't be inauthentic and you can't hate it. Right. I mean, because then it's just going to eat itself out from, out from the inside. You're going to feel yourself. resentful and yeah. it's not going to be worth it. So we're saying it can work. Yeah. But certain things have to be met. Yep, these things have to click together, and it, it's, worth, how, it's worth trying. Go for how, it. That's how it is for everybody. Yeah, you're on date two I or mean, whatever. Three, uh, go for it. You got it. <laughs> I thought this was going to be one of the Dan Savage <laughs> lines where it's like, it's like, so we've dated twice, and he's my partner. And <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. Well, that's it. I think we, we wrapped up our questions. Um, so shall we say goodbye to our audience? Yeah, I guess so. It's time to say goodbye. Until next time, I'll just give you a bit of a teaser for um, our next episodes. We have some great ones lined up in the future. Um, super excited. We'll be talking about building community. Oh, I love building community. Yeah. And then we'll be talking about um, coming out in a run community. 
what that means and looks like. So, oh. Yeah. Well, that's very so, very deep, very big. Yeah, we're excited to bring those we, guests. We also may have like a more um, controversial guest <gasps> at some point. Oh, yeah, we do. We're working on that one as well. And we're trying to do that one justice. We are. We're really being intentional about the questions that we ask, the language, language that we use, and who asks the questions among the two of us. Yeah. Whew, lots to think about. Um, we may not always get these things right. Feel free to write in and let us know when we don't. Yeah, uh, I'm mildly... We're open to feedback. My Instagram is mildly underscore athletic on Instagram. And feel free to send show feedback over there. We don't have a show account yet because that seems unnecessary. And, but we do have an email... That is podcast at runningwithproblems.run. <laughs> Signing off. See y'all.